So being the Bhutto, this uh, being this awakened consciousness. Notice the words I'm using being, not becoming. Uh, like becoming is, and I've said before, like a bhavadana, wanting to become with all the assumptions of a self. You know, you know and in terms of I think about myself as a person, then I, you know, I think I'm, I see lots of uh, faults, weaknesses, uh, personal <laughs> qualities I, I don't like particularly or embarrassed about memories from the past or feeling guilty or whatnot arise from this uh, sense of a, of a person but being awake is, is impersonal being <coughs> Buddha being this Bhutto is not personal is not it's madness if I claim on a personal level I'm Buddha. It's madness. Madness, sense of reflection. It's not to become a Buddha, but being. And this is the whole essence of Buddha Dhamma. It's all about awakened thoughts. Uh, the uh, Santiti Kodama, apparent here and now, timeless. It's that immediate. It's not about becoming or getting rid of things. It's not about, you know, trying to change and make things, you know, get rid of your faults and and try to become some uh, a better person. That's all right on a worldly level, you know, in terms of teaching people who are not interested in meditation. Then you say, do good, refrain from doing evil, take the five precepts. <coughs> Uh, be generous and kind. So you give um, kind of moral advice and ways to to develop your personality in which it is a you know, more pleasing, more harmonious, uh, pleasant individual. But in bhavana, in meditation, then this is not the point. You know, we're in a form that that uh, the monastic uh, form is one of, you know, it's automatically refraining from doing, uh, acting on, you know, negative evil or selfish impulses and doing good. I mean, it's a, that's it, you know, the conventional level. It's supportive, but it's not an end in itself. So something as simple as being here and now, being present, being Bhutto is, uh, you know, easy to say, but the thinking mind will always doubt it, you know, it's the, when we think about ourselves and being Bhutto and being present, we get the idea, we understand the word, but the actual recognition of it, it's intuitive, it's a, it's an insight kind of wisdom. It's not just pretending to be present or, or you know, <coughs> just uh, fooling yourself or playing games with your mind. It's just noticing, bringing attention to the reality of now. The body is here, sitting like this. So when I reflect in this way, the body, you know, just a the <coughs> perception of the body, then it's, you know, I mean, notice uh, you know, the, the sense of the, the pressure of sitting, sensation, heat or cold, that which is present here and now in terms of this human body. So in the, in the kind of teaching mode, you say the four postures, sitting, standing, walking, lying down. Now this, this is, uh, these are the, is, uh, you know, these are the ordinary postures we move into. We're either sitting, standing, walking, or lying down. So that really implies just, uh, you know, wh whatever you're doing, whether you're, you're either, it doesn't mean just formal watching yourself sit, stand, walk, and lie down. It 
kind of methodical ways, but also it, it, that's one way of looking at it, but also implies a sense of movement, of change, moving from sitting to standing. Now the very fact that you can be aware of your body of its posture, of its uh, sensations in the present. The body has experienced now, is, this is a, you know, you're experiencing the, the, the feeling, the sensation, the sitting posture of the, of the body now. Awareness. So you're embracing the body, you're not, it's not the body. The body can't know the body. So it's consciousness, isn't it? It's consciousness with awareness, then using the perception, just the, the word the body brings it in the, the tension immediately <coughs> includes the particular focuses on the experience of sitting, standing, walking, lying down. So the general, you know, s attitude is one of consciousness is in the body. And that's generally in how I was, you know, the message I got from my education and cultural conditioning. But the, the reality of now, consciousness is you know, in, you know the the body is in consciousness now. At least that's how I experience it. The, the body is in the consciousness rather than consciousness in the body. <coughs> so this is a change from from the kind of identity with the body and consciousness in this personal or even cultural way, a conditioned way of thinking or feeling or uh, believing. Now we're, we're, doing, we're awakening to the way it is. And that awakening is always here now. It's not about tomorrow uh, meditation retreat. It's about here and now. The breath. Every just being, being of attention to the breath the body's breathing, you know, you aren't, you have, you know, you aren't making it breathe or you're not trying to control the breath, but just notice breathing. Say, say at the nostril or wherever you, you know, the feel the sensation of inhalation, exhalation. And then just by being with the breath, you notice it gets, it, it, it tends towards uh, uh, refining itself. Like Anapanasati, or, uh, you know, for concentration on the breath, it can even disappear. So for tranquility, then of course the the uh, to get very tranquil and uh, and refined, then the Anapanasati is one of the skillful means recommended. But one can oftentimes just seek tranquility from a personal desire to be tranquil, you know, trying to attain something from it or think that, you know, you, you've got to feel any compulsive feelings about anapanasati, that you should develop this to get this level of concentration, get the jhanas on and on like this. Just notice, the, you know, be aware of uh, how we can take, you know, the idea of anapanasati, mindfulness of the breath, and make it into some kind of onerous challenge. And then when we do, when we do have experiences of tranquility, then we, then we uh, remember that and we want it again. Notice like pleasure, you know, the pleasure is, is addiction. Is anything pleasurable, we tend to Want we, we remember it and we want to have it again. 
So notice this. This is how the the mind works. You know, the desire forms. You have a pleasant memory. They, yesterday's meditation, I was just so, you know, I was just wonderful. Felt so at one with the universe. And now you think, I want to have that again. So then you sit here getting more and more agitated because you're trying to to get something you remember, a pleasurable memory. So that happens a lot in meditation, you know, it's happened to me a lot. I get into states of bliss and and then then I would want them, you know, I'd really get desperate for them. And then usually those those that those kind of experiences happen not out of memory, but they just when the conditions for that are the, are present for tranquility, then this is the result. Tranquility is the result. But if me me wanting, you know, following, the, oh, I had a wonderful meditation yesterday. I want to have another one today. That's definitely uh, going to determine that I'm not going to get it. <laughs> Unless I become aware of this, you know, awaken to wanting something because I remember th- a pleasant, you know, having a pleasant experience previously. That's memory. So in this, uh, the Buddha, you know, emphasizing the reflection, contemplating the natural laws, itabhajyata, this uh, Pali word, when the conditions arise, then this is the result. So trying to control things and and, and out of desire for something is, uh, you know, is kind of hopeless way to live one's life, always trying to get something you don't have or get rid of something you have that you don't want. So the conditions for tranquility are not trying to get it through remembering it. Not like for jhana practice, trying to to get these various stages is, is you know, you, uh, uh, and sometimes we you know, most of the time, I guess we, d- we, you know, if we don't recognize them, then we, we have views about them. Sometimes we don't even know when those st- stages are present because we have a different perception of of say first, second, third, fourth jhana. We've read it in a in a Visuddhi Magga or in the scripture or heard somebody talk about it, so we form opinions. We we look for something we imagine. So being aware of that, you know, awakened too, trying to, you know, read the formulas in the scripture, uh, what we, how we interpret those words, what we expect and what we want. Now this can all be seen in the present. You know, there's gamadana, bhavadana, vipavadana. Ignorance, avicca, not understanding dhamma, then we create views and and opinions about dhamma. That's still avicca or ignorance of the dhamma. So, always remembering here and now, pachubana dhamma. It's the time is now, the place is here. Uh, one of the epithets for Bhutto is knower of the world, loka vidu. And so this is, uh, is what this implies to me is that it, to know the conditions that we call the world, not according to cultural views about the world. It's a direct knowing of the world. Not knowing all about the world in terms of geography or history or whatever, but it's it's recognizing that this world being a having a human body for one thing is like this. 
It breathes. It needs to breathe. It needs food for nourishment. It needs water to survive. Shelter. Clothing, medicine for uh, illnesses. The body is, uh, in, in, is a source of pleasure and pain. And so we, when we have pain, you know, it makes us struggle. We want to, to get rid of pain or hunger or thirst or being cold or sickness. Now, with... Uh, in the present, then we can be aware of this. This, uh, if we don't really awaken and we don't know the world, then we, we just tend to react to things. So when we get hungry, we, we grab for the nearest thing to, that's edible. Thirsty. When we, when things uh, upset us and make us angry, then we just we get angry, or we have uh, sexual desire. We just you know, try to resolve that conflict as quickly as possible. So we, we're just caught in in our reactions to these natural uh, experiences, worldly conditions. Part of being having a human body, a mammalian body, a sensitive form on planet Earth is like this. So these are kind of, you know, greed, hatred, uh, you know, having anger, feeling hungry and thirsty, wanting uh, pleasure, not wanting pain, fear. These are kind of primal to this world that we, we're experiencing. They're primal forces. You know. But in, in the cultural conditioning, you know, especially in, in Western Western culture, tends to make these very personal, as in my anger, my sexual desires, my fears. And then we have models, don't we, of being, you know, like being fearless, brave, not afraid of anything. If we're brought up in very puritanical religious practices, we feel guilty and and frightened of the body's sexual energies. You're told it's sinful and dirty. <coughs> this is cultural conditioning, isn't it? And it's and it's uh, and it's mine. It's not like it's natural and primal to the to this condition. It becomes, you know, my problem. I shouldn't get angry. Uh, you should, you know, all the shoulds and shouldn'ts. Usually the the demands of cultural conditioning. So not only do we have primal energies that are part of the package of being born in a human form on this planet, but we we don't understand it, we don't reflect on it, we just are conditioned to regard it in maybe very um, neurotic ways. One thing, claiming it personally is, is a form of neuroses. Is sexual desire personal or is it just natural to the, to the human body? The sexual body, isn't it? It didn't get here, you know, floating from outer space from the pure land. It got here through sexual intercourse. And then we've got the same karma, you know, there's other... This is uh, just the way it is. And, and then claiming it personally, you know, and then judging it, you know, value it. We can make it sacred. We can, some people have various, you should just enjoy it. It's God's gift meant to just to have, have, you know, have pleasure. One of the pleasures of life, sensual pleasures, a kind of libertine, hedonistic attitude is one extreme and then the other the other extreme is you know it's, it's sinful it should only be done to procreate for uh, 
you know, protect the species, and uh, on and on like that. You can form all kinds of views and opinions. But now, in reflecting, we're not <coughs> noticing, reflecting on the on the way it is, on the the loka we do, knower of the world. It's like this: the human body, male body, female body. So this body sitting here is male body. So is where awareness of that energy, must male energy, is not taking it personally, but recognizing it's part of the you know the the result of being born on this planet as a as a male is like this. Now this isn't uh, defining anything, but just noticing, awakening to the the world that we're experiencing, the body, the the, uh, the breath, the energetic qualities that we're experiencing, because it's all energy anyway, and the whole universe is just about energy, So, and these bodies are energetic forms. Now we can hold these out of ignorance, out of avicca, then we tend to identify ourselves with the body as a kind of permanent, you know, notice how attachment to perception, to sanya sankara, what that does, it, it makes things more than what they are. It compounds. It, it, it makes things permanent, kind of seemingly permanent. That's the, the illusion, the grasping uh, memories and uh, emotional habits and views and opinions. So the sense of a self then is very much, you know, that sense of me being a permanent person is uh, is because I'm attached. If I if I hold this, it's because I'm attached to the view I was. I'm actually the uh, a, a person that was born seventy two and a half years ago. And so forth, and then, then I have birth certificate, passports, all kinds of legal documents, <coughs> memories, and these are, you know, these are these are perceptions that we create, you know, and then we, we don't investigate, we don't see them in terms of dharma. We actually believe, you know, believe in them, and that gives them a a, a, a quality of permanency. I'm the same person. You know that was born seventy-two and a half years ago. Where the reality of Pachubana Dhamma is uh, is like this, isn't it? Uh, that view of I am uh, a person. If I if there's awareness now, awareness, consciousness. There's nothing personal in it. For make it personal, I have to say it's mine. I am this person sitting here. I'm Ajahn Sumedho sitting here talking. I am uh, a man. I am uh, like that. You know. Then I start. Then this uh, these are ways of defining, of separating myself. Now, say for example, if 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 you just a statement of being using words, just using English grammar. Statement of being is I am. Isn't it? Just that those two words. That's a that's a statement of being present. Is that's what a, what how I interpret it? I am. I'm not saying what I am. It's just, you know, I can take it as on a very personal way, and you know, and it, it, then it proliferates. And I am Ajahn Sumedho, and on and on. Ad nauseum about me and what I think, my feelings, and my achievements, and my positions, and on and on like that. But, but in terms of reflecting, you know, on just the the use of language. A statement of being in the present, from this position, 
this body sitting here, and if I want to put this experience into words, then the English expression, I am. Now this I call a st uh, merely a statement of being, and it's unnecessary. But it is it's a way of exploring or investigating experience and language, the use of language. Then notice how you divide it up. I am Ajahn Sumato. Now that sep separates me. That defines me on a personal level. That's a convention, isn't it? Ajahn Sumato is a convention. But none of you can, we can all say, I am right now. But I'm the only one that can say I am Ajahn Sumato. <laughs> you can say it if you want, but you know, it's not forbidden, but I mean, it, it's not what you're going to really say, because you don't, you don't hold that particular identity, I hope. <laughs> now notice, that's a division, isn't it? And in, uh, It's defining me, my separate qualities, my age, my nationality, my gender, my achievements, my virtues, my faults. And so all these are separating, you know, we, when we get lost in a morass of, of self, then it, we all feel very separate and lonely. Can you really understand me, m my personality, why I am like this, the things I've been through? Can you really fully empathize with me and my problems, and on and on like this, then we get into, you know, this this kind of neurotic sense of uh, I'm alone in the world, and and uh, I need this, and I need that, and I want this, and I don't want that. Or I could say. I am consciousness. Now that's impersonal. Consciousness is not personal. Yeah, all of us could say that at this time. Now when we say I am the body, then it then it's division again, isn't it? Because all these bodies are different. So, so then, uh, but consciousness is the same. It's one, isn't it? It's not my personal consciousness not a masculine consciousness or feminine consciousness. But then when we identify with a gender, then we separate again. Women over here, men over here. <laughs> because, you know, then we, that uh, gender is a, is a discrimination, you know, separation. We're emphasizing the difference. Now when in consciousness, then it's then it's a unity. You know, can w it's not a matter of my consciousness or that I have more than you do, or men's consciousness is different from women's. Consciousness like this, it has you know who can? It's not European or Asian or anything like that, Christian or Buddhist. So this is like noticing the way it is. Uh, like investigating, so you you understand the world, you know the 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 world of you know the conditioned realm, not in terms of cultural attitude, cultural conditioning, or personal preferences, but notice the way it is. It's it's like this. Sensitive is like this. This is a sense realm, sensual realm, sensitive realm. It's all about pleasure and pain, isn't it, through the senses. We experience a continuous, relentless, inexorable flow of pleasure and pain through a lifetime in this form, on in this realm. That's the way it is. Now that's all right once you understand it. When you when you don't understand, then we're frightened by it. We get into controlling it. We have memories we don't want 
bad things to happen. Uh, we have memories of good things. We want to promote things where I feel safe and comfortable and and I don't have to worry about where my food is going to come from, where I, I feel I have friends who who uh, care about me and everything's going to be okay. We want that security on a personal level because we don't know the world. We just hope and and hope that it's going to, I'm not going to experience too much misery in it. And then the dread is that life is going to present me with misery and failure and loneliness and loss, ugliness and pain. So that no the the I am consciousness is merely a a skillful means to, to kind of reflect on that. You know, not to grasp the concept I am, but it's a it's a way of uh, investigating here and now using using language. Then the primal energies, anger is a primal energy. It you know it's it's necessary for survival. Uh, hunger and thirst are, you know, they're natural experiences. It's not personal greed and gluttony and all that. This is, this is to do with the body. The body, when it doesn't get enough nourishment, it, hunger is, uh, is what happens. It feels like this. It's asking. It's sending the messages, you know, feed me. Give me something to drink or whatever. But then if we don't investigate things, then we tend to say, uh, I'm hungry, I'm thirsty. And then we might have views about that, you know, hunger is greedy. And, you know, I've seen monks do this in Buddhist monasteries, you know, Western monks mainly, who, who try to starve themselves, think that even eating food is this, is like desire and greed, and that's bad. And that's a kind of puritanical mindset, isn't it? Desire is bad, greed is bad, anger is bad, sexual desires. Uh, if you're a brahmacharya, uh, living life of celibacy, uh, sexual desire is bad. So you see all these things as threats, as kind of mara, as satanic forces, dangerous things, temptations on the way. So we, you know, I've got to protect myself and, you know, put a blindfold on, plug up my ears, live in a cave. You know, notice that the Buddhism says, vicha in a paticca samupada or dependent origination. Uh, it begins a vita bhajaya sankara, a vita ignorance. Translated a vita is ignorance, but it means not having the knowledge of the four noble truths. Not knowing the Dhamma, then we not knowing the truth of the way it is, then then we operate out of ignorance. Even if we have PhDs in philosophy and and um, astrophysics. On the Buddhist terms, we're still ignorant till we awaken. So this uh, this ignorance then is uh, c influences everything. This if, the, if we don't awaken, then avicca is is all we experience. We experience everything through this ignorance through fear, through desire, through our neurotic uh, habits that we've developed, through the delusions of a self, through the prejudices and biases of our cultural conditioning. We're programmed, aren't we? Programmed to have, to prefer, you know, to have views, uh, who's better, who's worse, the best and the worst, and our group, our tribe, and protect us, and the enemy, uh, and then the government points out the enemy. 
you know, those Al-Qaeda, they're our enemy. Now, Al-Qaeda is a word that most of us never heard a few uh, years ago. In fact, it took me quite a while to be able to say it, but I still don't know if I'm saying it properly. <laughs> but this is, the, this is what you hear, it's called Al-Qaeda, and, uh, and it's uh, this kind of vague Islamic terrorist organization that's out to destroy democracy, Christianity, the United States, Israel. Well, you can't have, you know, that's the ultimate enemy, isn't it? You can't get, you know, that's, you know, you've got to take a stand against them, wipe them out. Well, where are they? You know, they, uh, the other day the Americans bombed some Somali town where they heard Al-Qaeda was, there were Al-Qaeda agents there, and they never, I think they got a few uh, innocent women or something. You know, when you're trying to aim, you know, at a particular Al-Qaeda person, how do you, how can you get at them from, from, a, from an airplane? You know, so we, you know, in the process, we might, you know, kill a lot of non-Al-Qaeda in the process. But as long as we get our man, that's it. You know, that's, we're, we're fighting for democracy <coughs> and freedom in the world. Now, this is cultural conditioning, isn't it? This is propaganda. And, uh, and so we, we, you know, this affects us. You know, if we're not awakened, and see the way things are, then we uh, then we are influenced uh, by these various uh, frightening perceptions. Propaganda does affect us. Now, what is you know to in Buddhist terms, the the cause of all this is avicca, not Al Qaeda. And and the American government has as much Avija as Osama bin Laden. When it comes to Avija, it's not <laughs> it's not understanding things as they are, but operating from assumptions, from prejudices, preconceptions, biases, cultural biases, political biases. And so forth, and then we, and and we're conditioned with this. This is, you know, we're avicca bhajya sankara. This means like avicca then affects everything, affects all conditioned phenomena. Uh, uh, you know, it always affects how we're feeling, how we interpret experience, how we see ourselves. So avicca in terms of personality, you know, I am ajahn sumato, and I am. This person is 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 uh, if I if you know it can be conventional, but if I don't understand it, then I tend to grasp this perception, and, and it has this sense of permanency. I'm Ajahn Sumato all the time. I'm Ajahn Sumato when I'm alone in my kuti. When I'm asleep, you say Ajahn Sumato is sleeping. When I'm asleep, I don't. I don't, you know, I don't think Ajahn Sumedho's sleeping. I'm just sleeping. <laughs> but this is conventional reality. It's a samuti satya in Pali terms. I mean, it, we're, we're not denying conventional reality or, or disparaging it, but putting it, knowing it. So it, it's, not, it's not something that, that we're deluded by. We can use conventional reality. You know, it's a functional, it can be used skillfully. But it's no longer the, the, the source of delusion because awakenness, then there's vicha. Vicha, you know, avicha is ignorance, vicha is knowing, knowledge, understanding. So this awakened, um, this is what Buddha 
means awakened consciousness here and now. Is that impossible for any of us? But I think, well, you know, I start then I get lost in myself again. Or if I am encouraged to just wake up and see, you know, this self is a creation. If I think, oh, I can't really do that. I'm. I need to develop this first. Uh, then I, I suddenly awaken to this, to the conditioning of my mind. I've been told, or I've read things in books, or I assume. I interpret even the scriptures from my own ignorance, from avicca. So even if there's avicca, reading the scriptures is uh, is still avicca. So the the uh, the the following the logic of this is awaken here and now. You know. Now this is an imminent sense of presence. I am, and a sense of listening, of being present. Of allowing the feelings of the present to be what they are. You're not. It's not a controlling thing. You're not trying to control anything or, or concentrate on any object. You're just allowing this sense of presence to be. And consciously recognizing it's like this. Now this then is vicha, knowing, direct knowing. as simple as that. It's not me knowing about things. It's knowing this now. now. This is this is what we call intuitive awareness. I use these terms. Whatever terms, that's not quite it, but it, you know, language is limited. But so it's meant to point, not to be grasped conceptually, but uh, expedient expedient means. Now from this awakened consciousness with with awareness, then reflecting on desire is possible. You can observe it's kind of compulsive feelings or or you know, mood you're in. You become aware of a of a mood rather than than just reacting and following it or trying to suppress it. Become aware of restlessness or anxiety or confusion. This is this is real clarity. Because you're coming from awareness, consciousness with awareness, rather than ideas about, you know, having everything kind of clarified conceptually, having it all make sense, uh, intellectually acceptable, reasonable and logical. And everything, all the conditions, just right. So you feel, uh, you know, that you, you feel this sense of of being safe and on and on like this. So it's, this is this is a great demand, you know, of wanting all kinds of things, even wanting mental clarity, wanting to be sure, not wanting to be caught in doubt and confusion about anything. So, and then. The thing is that on the thinking level, attachment of thought will always create confusion. Even a fanatic, which, say, a religious fanatic, is one that grasps concepts and positions. So they seem to be know what they're doing. You know, so they, they tell you and they've got this, this kind of uh, certitude. You know, Jesus is the only way and there's no other way, a kind of confidence and a certainty, but it's through grasp, ignorance and grasping, not through awakening and understanding. So you get, you know, you get demagogues and all kinds of, of, you know, powerful charismatic figures that are confident, but they're still, it's still a vicha. And they, they can become quite powerful, you know, they, these kind of People are very oftentimes uh, what we call charismatic, 
and and so much of humanity isn't. It's caught in I don't know what to do. Who am I? Should I? Should I? Is there a God or not? Or is Jesus the only way? Or maybe there's another way? Or uh, I'm not sure. I don't think I can do it. A kind of waffling, uh, uncertainty, uh, self-disparaging confusion. Now, in in awakened awareness, then confusion is seen. You know, you can be aware of of emotional confusion. I found this very because I I emotionally, you know, you pulled all kinds of directions. It's so easy to get confused on the emotional, you know, especially, you know, in the position I'm in because you're. You know, you get all kinds of information. So, in on terms of intellectual grasping uh, concepts, ideas, positions, traditions, conventions, views, and opinions. You know, we if we don't if we don't have this awakened insight into awakeness, then we tend to to be move in towards maybe. Uh, you know, feeling very threatened by anything outside our own convention. How many of you feel threatened by anything that isn't Pali, Theravada Buddhism? You know, because this is, you know, this you, you feel a sense of safety in staying with this and anything else is is rejected because it tends to confuse you. Or, or uh, you know, this is and this is where we notice this, how we try to to kind of control situations so that we we don't feel confused and we don't have to face confusion. Now, confusion itself is is kind of natural emotion. So you you know you uh, you get a lot of input all at once. It's very confusing. You get strong views from strong-minded charismatic people and they they tell you no you're doing it all wrong and then the next person no you're this is the only way to do it you can't do it any other way and then another person says i know a better way and then on and on like that and you say, which way all that's got john tomato john tomato's way is the only way <laughs> i'll say it with certitude you know Ex cathedra, from the high seat. And then, oh, Ajahn Sumedho said, Ajahn Sumedho told me, Ajahn Sumedho believes. And what's that? It's just, you know, it's a sense of, you know, because you you want to trust me, and so everything I says and everything I say and so forth is is infallible and quoted. And it was that becomes a cult, doesn't it? That's what cults are, you know. My teacher, my practice. And then I say, you better not, you know, don't don't go to those, you know, if you're going to visit uh, some other monastery, you better not go. It'll just confuse you. They might say something uh, that isn't pure Ajahn Sumato teaching. And uh, I want the library to get rid of all the books that aren't in line with my teaching. Because <laughs> I don't want to confuse you. It's for your own good. <laughs> and I'm not seeing good results from that. You know, just It just con- conditions you, binds you to a very narrow way of looking into fear. Not understanding confusion, you know, you 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 seek certitude through through controlling the environment, and and then anyone who who is a loose cannon or causes any you know any doubts in your mind, you get rid of, kick them out. Where in you know in the Buddha Dhamma, it's like confusion is a mental state to awaken to. So, in this, the, you know, the, 
I found this very insightful to me when I when I re recognized this, because I was always confused before trying to to get rid of it, and often feeling, you know, inadequate because of my mental confusion. You know, why couldn't I have that certitude of that charismatic monk, you know, that knows what he's doing and says everything, with, you know, with great certainty? peremptory style, this is right, and on and on like this. Why can't I? Well, I'm not sure. He could be wrong. Then this awakenness to confusion. Now doing this, then I notice right now the, the feeling, say, if, if, I'm con if confusion is present at this moment, then I see it. I don't know, I don't know what he's talking about, don't understand, what should I do? He said this, she said that, blah, blah, blah. It's like this. So you can, you know, just by awakened attention, you can beware of, of this feeling of the frustration or confusion. It's like this. Now, accepting this state, you know, if you really just let it be what it is, without trying to do anything with it, just be a, allow it to be and, and stay with it, it'll, you notice it's changing. Confusion changes. It's not permanent. Try to sustain it. Say, confusion, I want to be confused all the time. See, you know, because its nature is to, you know, is, Beca arises through conditions. When the conditions aren't present, it ceases. And so this is, you know, the, this is this is a very direct, very direct practice of awareness, awakenness, attention, using panya or wisdom. You can see for yourself. This, you know, you can uh, find out. You know. This is not a belief. This is an encouragement to to explore and investigate. So I've been talking too much. I got carried away, didn't I?